0: Hello and welcome to the Beaten Track. This week we are talking about horror, horror movies, horror stuff. It's going to be fun. I'm joined by my co host, Lou Baker.
1: Hello, Joe. And uh, a belated happy Halloween.
0: Yes. Yeah, we
1: didn't. We're doing it
0: after Halloween. We're doing like a Yeah, post. we
1: couldn't quite time it perfectly, but it's not bad.
0: Yeah, because if we did it last week, it would have been. Uh, yeah. But that's the world we're in, I'm afraid.
1: Do you like spooky stuff Joe?
0: Well, I do. Yes. Right. Like, well, I feel like I'm not like a, a a huge I was sort of deprived of Halloween growing up. I didn't do trick or treating mm. or anything. Yeah. Um, to this day I've never been trick or treating. So.
1: I don't think I think I might have gone once, but I don't and yeah, I never really did Halloween as a as a kid. It was never much of a thing.
0: No, I'm not like a big horror fan or I, I like the horror films, but like in the same capacity that I like any other thing. It's not like a mm. specific thing that yeah. I'm like a big, big fan of. But yeah, I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I was always a scaredy cat, to be honest with you. If I was, especially up until very recently, I mean, watching horror films on on my own was a case of, turning off the lights and running upstairs um I just couldn't I just there was many films I tried to watch and I would never uh, never be able to get through but more recently I've I've tried to push myself to watch different maybe films that are a bit um better than they are scary
0: yeah that's the thing I don't I don't particularly I, I had the same thing where sort of growing up I was sort of terrified of horror films I used mm. to sort of talk with my friends like middle school about them and stuff and it's kind of so intriguing to us but the idea of actually like watching one was kind of horrible to me and like it was very very much a scary cat but now i sort of watch things i'm sort of i don't find many things that are scary but then i'm not watching many like contemporary sort of jump scary things which i think would probably especially if you're in a cinema or something it's I think that yeah, I don't. I don't often watch a horror film. That I'm actually scared by, but mm.
1: I'm sure I could be because. Yeah, I think. Yeah, probably up until like sort of lockdown. I, I think I, when I was a bit younger, I always thought all horror films are going to be, are going to go and are going to scare the shit out of me essentially, and mm. that it, I shouldn't watch it because I, I can't deal with it because I'm a wuss. But I realised I think more recently that that a lot of maybe slightly older films and maybe films, And then I probably just didn't realise that which horror films were, were better than others. So I started watching films that were a bit, that I'd always wanted to watch that were horror films and was surprised by things that I enjoyed and stuff. And so, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think the two that we're going to be talking about today, I don't think we'd be like particularly horrified by them in a way, but they're both, um, Mm. So very effective in like yeah. conveying a certain atmosphere and oh, definitely, yeah. But I mean, and then also linking to like music and stuff. There's, I think, there's a fair few like bands that are mildly creepy that I enjoy.
1: Hmm. Yeah, there's no, there's no shortage of um of music, uh, like alternative music with horror themes and and themes of gore and sort of maybe gothic styles as well. There's no, yeah, there's there's quite a few. I don't know whether there's any that I find scary but there's plenty there's plenty of them that you know.
0: Yeah that's a good point actually I didn't talk about that like music that actually uh, sort of scares you. I te-
1: I'll tell you what I, what I will say is um, you know we should mention the, the films that we're going to, to talk about one of, the, one of the films that we're going to talk about is Suspiria and um, the soundtrack from that I put that on today just to listen to it and I, I was thinking it was so evocative of the of the film and yeah. what happened in the film. I was like, this is this is actually quite gen. This is a thing that to listen to it well, is actually quite quite scary. It's
0: evocative to the film almost to like a foe. It's like yeah.
1: shouting the word witch at you and it's, <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess well, I mean when I think of sort of Halloweeny music, I do like i have like a halloween playlist that i like and i know when we've done radio shows before we played like halloween themed songs and stuff yeah i always think of the cramps and oh yeah misfits cool. Susie sue um you know the cure killing joke these sort of bands that are mm. in, that, in that punk and then post-punk kind of style they all have a sort of leaning towards horror themes and and, and horror fiction
0: um but i mean even the difference with Susie Sue, uh, is that the the Misfits and the Cramps are very self-consciously like styling mm. themselves yeah. on, on horror movies and on, on B movies in particular, like sort of fifties um, yeah. horror films. So like it's almost a kind of novel. It is almost a kind of novelty music. Apart from mm. obviously the the Misfits, especially were a sort of uh, seminal punk band as well. So and a, a seminal hardcore punk band as well, really. So. It's interesting,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think of that. Yeah, I obviously I think the Cramps and the Misfits are a bit more, like you say, a little bit more caricatured in the in the sense of what they do with with horror, and but and then maybe sort of the post punk bands like, um, The Cure and maybe Susie Sue, maybe even bands like Bauhaus and Joy Division have I, a, a I definitely think Bauhaus in there, and yeah. the Birthday
0: Party actually.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and, but I think the other thing that I was thinking about is maybe. The thing I also when I think about sort of the cramps and misfits, I could only name a couple of songs and I would only ever listen to them at Halloween. They're not really sort of album ba- album bands if you like. And but if I was thinking of sort of horror themes that are done well in music, I would maybe look towards someone like Nick Cave um and sort of murder ballads that album. Yeah. Um, you know, does serial killers and and cult murder cults and small towns and all that sort of business really well and um, mm. maybe black sabbath as well
0: oh yeah yeah i mean obviously black sabbath as well uh taking their name from an italian horror film so that's mm. a sort of link um with today's but i mean yeah all of these bands it's not even necessarily like specifically i feel like it's weird because in cinema horror is like often evoking like a, a feeling or or an intention of of something to scare you whereas lots of mm. lots of films and things can be gothic without necessarily being being a horror or something and yeah. a lot of the, the the music of like nick cave and stuff is kind of it's really digging on gothic influence and particularly like southern gothic influences and like so it's got an interesting relationship to horror where it's not like the cramps or something it's kind of a more yeah. sort of authentic sort of vision yeah that's fused from these sort of um, I'd say so anyway. I don't want to
1: diss the cramps. No, I think I think that's definitely right. I think the cramps are a bit more sort of. I don't want to put them in with the monster mash world, but um, they certainly they <laughs> that's certainly. A,
0: that's a dig. Yeah.
1: They, well, they, they lean they lean towards that, um, and and I, I I love listening to those songs and stuff. But yeah, I think it's, there is a difference to maybe taking on more. The themes that maybe someone like Nick Cave will take on, which is a little bit more sort of like, much more like a sort of psychological horror sort of thing, rather Mm. than just playing on, yeah, like you said, B movies and and sort of Halloweeny ideas and stuff like that. You know that as good as that is, and that you know that's still worthwhile. They are they are different.
0: Another example, actually, would be um, in the hip hop world, would be horrorcore as a a genre and like. Mm. Obviously, a lot of Eminem's earlier work and uh, uh, very explicitly references horror films. You've got like new bands like uh, Clipping and stuff who are using sort of horror imagery in terms of uh, relaying the sort of message within
1: hip hop. So yeah, uh,
0: yeah, there must be through all these different
1: sort of spheres. Yeah, I mean, you know, horror movies are a huge cultural influence, and and so horror fiction as well. You know, the the works of like people like Alan Poe and Edgar Allan Poe and Stoker and Shelley and you know these feed through all, you know, film and and music and and everything that lots of things that we consume. So quite a ho perv- horror movies are very pervasive in their influence upon upon music and upon um, what fiction and music and everything.
0: Mm. Yeah, I. And also Halloween. The thing about Halloween and Halloween music is that it's like a sort of mini sort of Christmas. It's a fun thing to mm. to get excited about and to sort of um, yeah, just enjoy it as like a novelty or like a yeah, an event. Sort of this year has been a bit different, but yeah,
1: yeah. I, I yeah, I didn't do anything. I just um, sat inside and <laughs> sat
0: with a beer in the Misfits.
1: Yeah, so. I, I drank the my homebrew beer and watched the Wicker Man so
0: oh okay that's solid yeah that's
1: yeah good... I mean you can't
0: you can't argue with it no do you, we, we I think we were actually together um last Halloween we were what did, <laughs> what did, we, what did we watch I think we, we watched, watched what we do in the shadows
1: um, oh yeah well, yeah we did then we and then went did we go out and up some brewskis afterwards <laughs> yeah those okay. were the days eh those were the days Oh well, yeah some very
0: nostalgic about that <laughs>
1: let's so let's um let's move on to the two films that we're going to be talking about which one should we go on to first
0: well i don't know so you're more familiar well you're familiar with both at the moment you've yeah. watched both rather recently i've watched both but i've just watched suspiria
1: this evening mm. again so um yeah i don't mind i don't mind leaving. The... let's do suspiria yeah cuz that's fresh in the memory so
0: sort of a film that's kind of elusive in a way it's very sort of hallucinogenic and confusing and um not uh i feel like a lot of the italian horror sort of directors in the 60s and 70s were not um not driven by plot as much as a lot of Mm. contemporaries so it's a 1977 film by dario argento it's probably the most famous italian horror film um growing out of a genre called jello which um was a sort of melding of murder mystery and horror that eventually sort of formed the basis for slasher films, often featured like um, killers in white masks with sort of black gloves and stuff. There's sort of a certain fetishistic sort of element Mm. to a lot of Italian horror films. And yeah, the mystery part really crops up a lot. And especially in Mario Barba's films and in Dario Argento's films, the idea of this sort of unnamed, unknown killer who, yeah, like, like I said, it's very linked to slasher films eventually because mm. it's about people being killed off sort of subsequently. And one thing that you get with Suspiria immediately is it's about set pieces essentially and about this sort of grandiosity of, of style, which I think originally a lot of sort of critics perceived as quite sort of gross or, um mm leery almost because it's got this Hitchcockian sense of building things up and up, but also with like immense amounts of sort of violence and gore. Yeah. And this film is about uh, a woman played by Jessica Harper, who is called Susie and who joins a dance uh, school, a ballet school in in Germany and um, finds that it might perhaps be home to a, a coven of witches essentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah, it's quite the film actually. It's quite, um, I think, watching it for the first time, you kind of uh, I think I'd, I'd sort of heard about it and stuff like that. And I know that there was, I, you know, I heard about the remake and I was tempted to go and watch it. I think I watched it for the first time earlier this year. And I mean, the film has a almost, unmiss- you know, un- a really recognizable sort of visual flair got these very vibrant colors going on it's it's it doesn't hold back in any in any sense and like you said these set pieces that you're talking about you mean i mean the opening not the opening scene sorry but the the first sort of um murder scene of the of the film is is one of the most sort of uncompromising and and completely blown out um horror set pieces you'll watch this um you know the the scene of the this girl who's possibly discovered something uh who runs through the forest and then goes to stay at a friend's house and while and locks herself in the bathroom and then the friend's knocking at the door and she's you know stabbed by this like you say this sort of this sort of unknown presence and stabs her through the heart and you can see the heart and then she falls through the the glass—it's quite the. Uh, it's While quite attached the to a
0: noose, and then the glass and the banister falls and also kills her friend.
1: Yeah, and then there's the sort of the dribble of blood on the floor as well. Which, yes, you know,
0: incredibly sort of bright blood and. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. Yeah, I think that's why it's a film that's remained in the sort of cultural, sort of imaginary for so long because, because of the setting and the and the the style. Yeah, because. And the music, really, mm. um, it's such a fascinating sort of idea and set design, and and so bold because even the forerunners of the genre, like you had Mario Bava making these great um, films that were quite bold, like Blood and Black Lace or or, or something like um, Black Sunday and Black Sabbath. But the 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 vibrancy of this film is is off the scale. It looks like an MGM mm. musical or something. It's so. Yeah. You know, there's sort of golden railings and these bright red um, yeah. rooms. And and what he conjures with that that set piece is this this sense of symmetry and the sense of inevitability. Um, and the angular sort of compositions, and the angular staircases and stuff. That's it, it's really good at conveying this sort of sharp sense of horror, but also underlying the the theme of like the witches and. The sense of wrongness that you get from this really bright environment, which is hmm. very unique for a lot of horror filmmakers obviously go to to darkness as a as a way yeah, to yeah. to convey horror but it, yeah the the sense of unease that you get from these sort of odd sort of hues and these strange uh green and red lights and things hmm. is unique so
1: yeah it's a complete sort of kaleidoscope of of terror if you like and even from that fir- the first sort of you know the, the scene in the airport at the start and then um Susie gets into the taxi even in those scenes something as those those scenes you still get these sort of these different colors it's very loud the film you know that the the score is very loud and it's quite it's it's uncompromising and and we'll probably talk about the score a little bit more in a minute and but you you instantly sort of know your interest that something that that's it's quite in your face if you like and, and very visceral
0: Um, yeah the the scene in the taxi is like fantastic like the the rain on the window and the different greens and reds and stuff the the control of lighting that Argento has in this film is like is really fantastic and you get so many shots so many sort of wide um, you have this sort of wide angle as well which sort of distorts things in the frame slightly if you get to the edges of the frame and yeah really really brilliant compositions which is I think why a lot of um Italian horror is so interesting is because you have these elements that are slightly um you have the elements of low sort of lowbrow cultures you have these sort of often terrible dubs and um Mm. a lot of elements of like low budget or or sort of um shock or yeah and yeah and sort of the sleaziness but then you also have this sense of invention and these compositions and stuff that are really delicate and that would, would, yeah, would have taken quite a, quite a lot of effort and a, a lot of vision, really. I, uh, it remains visually sort of stunning, which is quite an achievement, really. So.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, you talk about the, the, the dub, the overdub. It's almost, it almost plays into the, the sort of film's uh, favour, if you like, because it is quite unsettling, you know, when you watch a film that's slightly, you know, is dubbed slightly you know, it's never quite perfect. It has that unsettling theme and that kind of fits in with the sort of the the light changes, you know. There's a complete disregard for, you know, normal sort of, you know, sources of light in the film and it's almost quite trippy in a way. It has a, a trippy sense and almost like a like a nightclub kind of sense that you're kind of losing your losing it's like sensory overload if you like. And that even the dubbing kind of plays into that because it kind of is unsettling because you, you know the, the the sound isn't quite coming out of these people's mouths as you as you would have thought. Mm.
0: Yeah, there's it's, yeah, there's like some brilliant like moments where it's just like a light will switch off and then it'll just be mm. everything will be sort of bathed in red or it'll just be the shadows or yeah,
1: um, yeah. Oh these... yeah, some the shadows are fantastic. You know the scene where they're sleeping in the um, mm. yeah. everyone's sleeping together in the shadows and. The, the red there is is superb yeah
0: and also the sort of the when he has a sort of wide angle of like a hallway or something or when you have the person looking through the curtains in that that scene that you mentioned it's mm. the the cutting off of it and this sort of the sense of this wide space being sort of truncated and, and sort of becoming claustrophobic and uh that, the set design's incredible and like some yeah. And I love the sense of mystery of like discovering all the elements of this building and like, oh, yeah, yeah colors yeah. and patterns and things that you go through. And it's eventually, towards the end, they come into this room that's got all Latin on it and stuff. And it's, mm. it's, yeah, I think also what's interesting about the film is it's got the theme of witches sort of running throughout, but then there's always the sense of like the actual killings that are taking place don't feel very supernatural at all, really. Yeah. It's, it could be a kind of paranoia. Yeah, uh, it could be. Well, that's
1: part of the. You know, that's part of when she goes to speak to. um, I think he's a a psychologist or whatever, and he he says, and there's this sort of conflicting narrative between whether there's sort of a witch's uh, cult going on or whether it's just paranoia. And you're completely right. You know, even though, you know, the the film tells you a certain story, there is still this idea that those killings could quite easily be, you know, just a sort of could be paranoia or, or whatever so the, yeah there is that more interesting feel
0: well i um, mean not just that but also the the, ki- the actual killings themselves could just be a random murder it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, you yeah. know he's using yeah. like uh razor blades and things mm. like like in argento's more more grounded films so it's yeah
1: well i mean you you said before about the maybe the there is maybe a sort of a focus on the visual more than the more than a plot in this film and do you think that maybe that takes anything away from the film obviously it adds to the the experience but there's almost a bit of a sort of a dreamlike logic that carries this film through it's you know it's not it's not very plot focused maybe do you think that takes anything away or do you think
0: mm. oh my lights are sort of flickering but um appropriate, quite scary I hope, well i hope it doesn't come up on the mic really um I, I don't know if, it, uh, if that necessarily takes me away from the, from the film. I feel like for me Suspiria is not a perfect film and yeah. it does have moments for me that do sort of drag or I don't think that's necessarily to do with the actual dreamlike quality of the film. I just feel like yeah. like the scene where she goes to see the psychiatrist or um for me it's almost like a break in that which I think is maybe an appropriate break because then it's coming back, and then you have the climax of the film. But at the same time, like are these, yeah, some of the scenes feel a bit sort of, even though it's not a long film, they seem kind of superfluous or um, they, yeah, I don't know. I I, 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 the thing is, I can't really complain about it too much because there's not really long dialogue scenes in the film yeah. anyway, really.
1: But... No, I, I don't think it takes too much away from you know this you know it's so the, the the sort of the violence in it is so visceral and yeah you know I was so I was I was just personally kind of just blown away by the the visuals of it and, and how much I enjoyed the fact that that I was watching something that that struck me as different from um you know many horror films that I'd seen and stuff like that so I was very you know, I didn't think that the film was lacking in um, logic.
0: I think it really rides on the effectiveness of that first uh, killing. Like, because yeah. then you do have the more just the establishment of, of the different characters and the mm. sort of the, the, the ballet and the convent. Itself. Just this sort of mild creepiness that runs through of the, the controlling aspects of the people who run the, the convent and just things going missing yeah. or things suspecting people or people things like that. I mean the first killing is like really the, the shock that sort of it rides on, I think.
1: Maybe we should talk um maybe a little bit more because obviously both films are that we're going to talk about are, are notable because of the um the score that they have. Um but the score in the or the soundtrack of this is um quite quite something to behold, isn't it?
0: Yes. It's it's another thing, it's composed by Goblin, um, who also did um score for many, many uh of Argento's films, but specifically his like original sort of run of Giallo. And um, sort of a it's like a mix between well, it's basically a prog score, really, but yeah, and it's definitely really heavily weighing on the elements of sort of harps, and um, strings, and it's not. A particularly electric heavy it's not like a rock a proggy rock thing but it's, it's definitely inspired by prog bands and um so yeah these sort of haunting sort of very often quite high-pitched sort of yeah the the sounds that evoke like the witches of the strings and the, the ascending yeah. sort of chords of that that kind of and then the low sort of bass notes and stuff it's got this sort of throbbing, sort of ominous yeah, a sense of yeah. wrongness, and also the brightness of it, though. in terms of like evoking the witches, and is slightly there's like an artificiality to it, and like a an yeah. over, overstatedness of it as well.
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah, it's it's one of the most um, sort of out there scores. It, it and like I said, it's very loud. It, it, you know, there's no, maybe you find in films that you know you might fail, you might watch the film and fail to remember. Uh, the score or what's going on but with Suspiria there's no way you can get around it it's the perfect sort of accompaniment to the to the violence and the the visceralness of the of the film and it does stay with you the um the score really does stay with you and yeah like you say it's it it has these nightmarish qualities I guess Mm. of of being sort of high-pitched and and very and, and builds tension and all the rest of it, it's it's yeah
0: yeah no but i will say something though is that um one of the creepiest bits of the film for me is actually when uh in one scene where the score sort of uh dissolves a bit and that's when yeah the killer has got a, a razor blade or whatever and he's he's sort of trying to get into this room where the scale is and he's just sort of yeah slowly sort of trying to lift the lock up and it's just this this silence and this sort of sound of the the knife or whatever and the sense of inevitability that's all sort of drawn out by yeah just by the ability to drown out the score for a moment and just
1: yeah yeah that's it yeah and that's a good yeah it's a good scene I think because of that that contrast between there is such an overload of, of you know, the score really does it's like I said before kind of the sensory overload thing but when it stops you notice it and you notice that there is a silence and you notice that you know you're your attention is drawn, and that scene specifically to you know, I think is that the scene where you're trying to kind of open the door and she's like her head's pressed against the door? And
0: yeah, well, she's yeah. sort of sitting in the corner, she does eventually figure, Oh, that yeah. there is a well, <laughs> that's also the sort of sums up the philosophy of the film is that there is a way out, but then that just leads to more sort of pain, essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just this slow sort of sense of everything going wrong and and it does coincide with a loss of color in the film as well as it's, it's like you say like the score you couldn't really have it any other way because you need the a really operatic sort of um loud score to match the the sort of stylistic elements of the, yeah. the camera work and stuff but in that scene it is a, a darker you know she's sitting in a sort of dark room so it does become more like a yeah just a murder more of the sort of murder mystery type thing that he was doing so Fantastic Great film, fantastic film, and yeah, I mean, I I'm looking forward to going into more of Argento's work actually because I've only really seen um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is a more traditional. Okay, yeah. Um, he's it, got um, lots of. I mean, I won't talk about one of them because one of them forms part of my quiz. Um, but I would like to see Inferno and uh, Tenebrae and things like that. So.
1: Yeah. What about, have you, I'm guessing you haven't seen the remake of 2018? I haven't, no. Yeah, me neither. Maybe. That's a real thing about modern, I find about modern horror movies, they're constantly remake, certainly. Also, I feel to like that, might,
0: that could actually scare me, because it's like new. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although I think one, one of the things they have gone for with the remake is they're completely inverted. They haven't tried to go for the same thing. It's like, tom york's score is like an inversion and so is the the color palette of the new things. Mm. it's very muted and um yeah it could, be, could be
1: interesting yeah and, uh,
0: the thing is yeah it's got very especially amongst people that i sort of follow in the world there's it's kind of mixed like some people really like it but i feel like some people who are quite passionate about this film aren't yeah, yeah. kind of mixed on it but i'm sure there's lots of people who think it's you know amazing so yes yeah, i should watch it sometime
1: Talking about remakes, that slides us on quite nicely to our next film. Um, Nosferatu (laughs) the Vampire. which is uh Werner Herzog the German filmmaker's uh remake of the classic German impressionist silent horror film Nosferatu
0: Yeah, the original um, is FW Murnau.
1: Yeah, which is, you know, perhaps one of the most uh recognizable and um well, you know, acclaimed uh horror movies of that era and that has influenced so much of of horror films, and and I guess what is interesting, you know, we talked about remakes just just then, and that it seems to be that like a lot of um, maybe we, what we thought is like classic horror films get remade, whether it be The Wicker Man's got just had a remake and um, Suspiria and stuff. But this kind of feels like a classic now. Um, and I think maybe when I watched it for the first time, I probably didn't realize it was a remake, but now I've actually.
0: Wow, it's, it's not just a remake, it's The that Nosferatu, the original, was a sort of a, a German version of Dracula. And uh, yeah. almost uh, the original almost got destroyed by um, Bram Stoker's wife trying to yeah. <laughs> trying, trying to essentially get the film destroyed. And it, yeah, it exists as this sort of unlicensed, um, sort of a very alternate version of the Dracula story. You have the main plot points intact of, of Harker going to to visit this town, and then Dracula procuring the the boat across. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, essentially inf- infecting people. Yeah, and this film actually gets to you know take back all the names and you know the, the original film um, had, as you said, you know had some copyright issues and that sort of stuff. But this film, um, you know, there is Count Dracula, but it's still um, it's the remake of Nosferatu in the in maybe in the visual sense. Particularly because Klaus Kinski, Klaus Kinski, sorry, plays um, Dracula, who worked with Werner Herzog on numerous occasions, most notably in um, *Aguirre, Wrath of God*. And he is one of the most unhinged and and um, I keep on saying the word recognizable, but and he is rec- he is recognizable. He's yeah, he is. I think Herzog described him as the definitive. Depiction of Dracula, and I think after watching this, you couldn't, you probably couldn't disagree with that. He is genuinely scary.
0: Mm, yeah, and very obviously visually modelled on on Max Schreck's performance yeah. in in Nosferatu. In, um, in but but yeah, the Klaus Kinski's face is already quite creepy, and he's <laughs> got this stare that's um, yeah, impossibly sort of unsettling. And
1: there's there's a scene, you know, the the scene where. Harker comes to the um, the castle and they're eating and there's a couple of um, shots where it's all it is is simply um, Kinski's bald head with the the two central fangs coming out and the that that um, that sort of shot on its own is enough to scare someone like me because Kinski is um, you know. He's just got that sort of face that you just think, wow, and the, you know the makeup, as you said, is very evocative of the of the earlier film. Yeah, So, yeah, maybe. Go on.
0: Well, although Kinski is known for being uh, an incredibly sort of explosive sort of performer and someone who's almost chewing at this there's something about his performance that's kind of subtle in the way that he yeah. allows for the silence of it and the the slow movements and yeah, and emerging from the darkness. And
1: well, like that. I think that's what I was. One of the you know things to say about the film is in in contrast to Suspiria, which is um, it has a a very very different tempo from uh, from this film. You know this film is a very has you know kind of the perfect horror aesthetic. It's got this really these visuals of like you say you know um, Count Dracula emerging from the dark and Kinski who's Very creepy but the tempo of the film is very quite slow it's almost quite meditative and it doesn't really seek to it's not doesn't have the sort of the the shock murder scenes of Suspiria instead it has this more sense of dread the sense of tension and instead of um, suspense and Kinski's betrayal is creepier than it is, um, than it is scary because of the way, the way his depiction of Nosferatu or, or Count Dracula is is um, is quite quiet in a way, and the way he moves and the way he, um, appears from the darkness from the doorway of the castle is um, yeah, is really quite creepy.
0: Mm, and what you get a sense of in this film? Well, just let me turn. I accidentally turned on a computer, but um, uh, <laughs> what what you get a sense of? In Nosferatu is the sense of a sort of disease or an infection, mm. uh, and him sort of spreading across the land. This very yeah. sort of subtle air of disease and grimness, especially once yeah. you move, once you move into the town sections of the film, it becomes the sort of unbearable grimness. Rats are appearing in the streets. He yeah. brings like a plague with him. There's dead people like appearing. Yeah. Also, the, the the sense of which I think one of the key things I get from Dracula, the novel, and one one of the reasons why I'm sort of perhaps put off by it as a novel slightly is the there's a sense of like puritanism and this idea of like innocence being mm. destroyed. And there's a sort of, the original novel's very much got this sort of Christian puritanism to it. And you have the characters of um, Mina and um, the other woman who are sort of, yeah, there's a real sexual sort of element to to Dracula oh, yeah. itself, and and this film is very much like um, playing on that, especially towards the end. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, the shots of um, the sort of the coffins coming through the streets, and you know, this sort of this town has you know a lot of the um, the sets in the film have a real sort of cold and and, and gritty sense to them. They're very, you know, a lot of the characters in the film aren't particularly friendly it's not a very warm you know it's the opposite of warm as a, as a film but you know that like you say the shots of the town at the end with the coffins coming through the streets and the, the town slowly sort of collapses into madness a bit like um jonathan harker essentially who starts off the film as maybe quite a maybe quite maybe the sort of braver uh, hero um but that you know he's you know ascends into madness and eventually becomes the vampire and the town, in the same sense, becomes overrun by Nosferatu, overrun by animals. I love that.
0: Um, yeah, you, you say about the film being more like, perhaps more sort of slow and subtle than Suspense. Mm-hmm. But I do like the sort, of, the sort of slightly sleazy sort of hammer horror-esque inversions of the story you get, especially at the end where Jonathan Harker does. yeah become a vampire and it's so stupid yeah. in a way it's so stupid that they like try and trap him with salt wasn't it? and yeah. he just gets through and it's it's incredibly sort of nihilistic and it's just like he's going on to kill everyone essentially yeah. the world it all is goes insane. it does
1: go a bit it goes a bit christopher lee at the end do it does think the, the film's got a very sort of it, it builds it up and kinsky's you know he's creepy and there's this town that's sort of for and you've got these animals, and then at the end, you just think, oh, it's gone a bit... He, he almost should have had like, the blood rolling down the cheeks, yeah. and, and, and he run, goes off into oh, the... I think... Oh, yeah,
0: he rides... Oh, it's, it's brilliant. I think it really earns that, though. I don't... <laughs> it's, yeah,
1: well, yeah, it's fantastic. it is.
0: Um, yeah, and also, it's interesting in terms of the Gothic and comparing it to, like, Suspiria or something, because obviously with Dracula and uh, you you have this Gothic, almost this exaggerated castle but at the same time you're right uh Herzog is is underplaying it slightly Mm. and he's also you know a very famous documentarian and what you have uh there's these great scenes where Jonathan Harker's arriving in the sort of country and not just at the castle but it's these these handheld shots of like these caves yeah and you get the like the water running down and things like that it feels very sort of intimately sort of being in nature and um yeah it's very interesting how he brings those those elements that are in Aguirre and in Fitzcarraldo and stuff into in more of a genre sort of territory.
1: Yeah definitely there's a, there's a real that sort of scene where Harker's going to the castle there's a, a real kind of um, stark emptiness to so the feeling of it and um the film although you know it does go on quite long that scene but um that well the the, the journey to the castle but um the shots have a, have a yeah, like you said, it's quite, it's documenting that really well. I guess another thing to say about, um, one of the things that stands out about this film is the fact that the depiction of Dracula himself is much more expanded. Um, there is an idea of the tragic loneliness of Dracula. There's a, almost a pathos towards him. Um, this idea that, you know, when he, you know Isabella Gianni who's um plays Lucy who's this very she's a very pale skin this idea of purity like you were saying before the scene where he's saying I wish I could share in the love that you have with with Harker is very um is is far more expanded than you'll find in most depictions of Dracula and, and Kinsky and Herzog I, I think are both do that very well.
0: Yeah it's again this idea of being infected by something or not having a control of something he actually has uh a self-awareness that the other draculas don't have in that mm. they 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 just recognize that their purpose is to prey on people but then kinski's got this uh this more of this dichotomy between like actually recognizing the sort of human elements of this and yeah the the wrongness and the fact that he doesn't actually want this but it's a a compulsion so i think yeah it's a very interesting take on the story yeah
1: yeah and you know there is a sort of you do feel that the the idea that he's doomed to immortality—you know—there is a quite genuine feeling of, oh, okay, I, you know, I, I get that a little bit more, which I think is missing from a lot of, and a lot of the reasons why I think some horror movies, maybe, um, or my depictions of Dracula, more specifically, don't really um, do it for me as much because I don't find um, the characters to be as um, as expanded as they are here.
0: Well, oh, yeah, in, in, in like, a Bela Lugosi or a Christopher Lee or something mm. else, he, he's pretending to be human, but he doesn't actually embody these characteristics. He's pretending so he can lure people to their depths, but yeah. Kinsky's actually feeling these things, so yeah.
1: Yeah, and it, it, you say that, and it's interesting because the particular version of Nosferatu, he looks more unhuman than in any other, you know, you think about Christopher Lee or, like you said, Bela Lugosi or whatever, those versions of, you know... Um, you know, Brown, you know um, Keanu Reeves, even though something like that, those versions of Dracula are, you know, he can hide the the teeth and all the rest of it. But in this one, um, you know, he's, he just looks completely unhuman. He looks like a, he has this, these animalistic features and stuff. And yet he has the more humanistic sort of um, portrayal in the uh, in the um, film.
0: Yeah, because the, the Count normally... It, it, the, the, the idea of status and class is very important. Yeah. And moving to to essentially own a land in, in, originally in London, of course. Mm. And yeah, and this one is as soon as you see him, it's like, yeah, the face and the, the teeth and the, the fingers and these aspects are completely, you can't divorce them from like, his portrayal. Yeah. yeah. And another aspect of Herzog's films as well that you get in. Aquiry moving back to like the nature thing is the the idea of like the sublime and of, of nature being this sort of this force that's kind of yeah. impossible in the eyes of man and and impossible to, to traverse. So it's kind of uh a theme inherited from from romanticism and German romanticism. And this film's got those elements too, in that you feel like totally lost in the sort of nature and then you become overwhelmed by this force that that cannot actually be comprehended or yeah, it's about a town as well, bit be, just being succumbing to something that it completely doesn't understand and can't deal with in any way. So, yeah, so it is, I, yeah it's fantastic. It's great. These are both great.
1: It is very good. Yeah. It, you know, contrast, contrast quite a lot to the, you know, you know, quite similar age to, I'm not actually quite sure the year that Nostra, maybe 1979 mm-hmm. or something. It,
0: uh, oh you might be right. I was gonna has I was gonna say early, I was gonna say like four or something. Do you know what?
1: I'll find out. It'd be nice to actually know that's the, a good uh, the plan. That. Yeah. Nineteen seven. seventy-nine. Yeah, so okay. two years two years older. Two years younger, sorry. Mm. The other thing to the other thing to say is that um again the score is interesting because it's done by a this time a, a Krautrock um group, uh, pop hole. I assume that you call them pop verb, but you know the pronunciation could be different. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that obviously the obviously the score is going to fit the film. That's a stupid thing to say, but they're very much more ambient themes to the to the score and to this band who have a lot of electronic um, and more experimental themes to their rock music. And it's a very another very effective score and noticeable thing about the uh, about the film. Yeah.
0: And yeah, the, the, they both have, despite going from like very different sort of aesthetic ideas of what connects horror and what should be, should be suspenseful well, and things like that, they mm. both have the sense of atmosphere that there's, that does stand all these years later and um, just makes them very interesting as art films, as horror films. There's...
1: Yeah, they're both, they're both fantastic. And, and um, which one do you prefer? Um, I haven't seen
0: Nosferatu in a while, but I actually remember being more Nosferatu really surprised me. And it was really a film that I sort of took on wholeheartedly, and I really enjoyed it completely. Really, so I would say Nosferatu I would rate it as a better film, even though it's arguably one of Herzog's less. uh I mean, it's probably still one of his most famous films, but yeah, maybe not as critically acclaimed as like Aguirre or Fitzcarraldo. Or even like some of his his best documentaries. So I think Nosferatu is great. I think Suspiria is a a great um, horror film, but I don't think it's perfect for me. And I, I'd say I prefer Nosferatu really. But okay,
1: that's interesting. I think I would go the other way and say, even though I've really enjoyed um, sort of watching more of Herzog's, because I you know at the same time as watching this, I watched. Um, Aguirre Garden, and, and was more interested in, the, in in his works it really got me hooked on his work I would say that Suspiria to me was just a you know I, I didn't realise that a horror film could could look that way and be that way and for that reason it, it, I just think it stood out as being you know when I think of a horror film now I now think of Suspiria so just because just it stood out so much to me so I would say that that one o- just about gets over Nosferatu for me
0: Yeah, I think Suspiria is a more sort of specific vision of what Argento's films are, whereas Nosferatu is a bit of an oddity in a way. And um, I just think that maybe those sequences of like going into the country stuff that maybe you thought like might have dragged on a little. I feel like the first, or the only time that I watched Nosferatu, I felt like it just completely worked for me. And um, Mm. so maybe upon revisiting, I'd have a different opinion
1: i didn 't yeah I think you 're right i don't, i don 't think that i think they you know obviously quite long sort of shots i don 't think they i think they really they do work in the tempo of the film um i think I could imagine that people would think that they would drag on but i th- I do think that they work the the temper of that film is just completely um it's a great um way of doing um sort of suspense and dread it it really works in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i um, Oh, sorry.
0: I just say I'd love to see like *Spectre* on a big screen or something. I just think it would be incredible. Mm. So, yeah, I just, yeah, a very tentative rating of the films because yeah, I haven't seen this right in a while.
1: They're both good films. That's that's the main takeaway. The stamp of approval. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we move on to the... Uh, Should we, we have some quizzing to, to finish off? Should we go for my one first? Yeah, go for, go for your one first.
0: The, yeah. So also this quiz, I will think of another question, but so far it's only got two questions. Okay. Right. So the classic horror film, Halloween, directed by John Carpenter, I believe yes. in 77, the same year as Suspiria. Yes. Classic Michael Myers is the villain. Yes. That's, that's a known fact. Which Halloween sequel diverted from that formula and uh, featured a, a sort of toy company trying to make children die instead? Um, oh, God, that, I mean... It uh, didn't feature geez. Michael Myers. It was an attempt to, to make the, the franchise into a sort of anthology series of different um,
1: hmm. Halloweeny tales. So this is just a question that I've got, I've got no chance on because... It's it's a classic thing with one of your questions. You'll you'll say something. You go. What, you'll you say Halloween. I go. Oh, I might. You know, I might know something <laughs> about this. And then you'll start talking. You'll just start talking about sequels. And I'm just thinking. Oh God. Um, Halloween. They got numbers. They've got numbers, haven't they? Halloween. Some of them have got numbers. There's loads of them. Yeah. Halloween. Um, Halloween Four. Is that Ooh. a film? Mm, yeah, but it's not the
0: right one. Oh. it's Halloween free
1: Damn, well, I've Season only ever, seen, I've only ever cool. seen Halloween, so I was I was struggling there. I
0: think you're good, really. Yeah, that's yeah, that's all you need, really. Um, but yeah. Um, my second question. I believe Dario Argento's follow-up to uh, Suspiria. It's known as Profondo Rosso in mm. Italian. What's it called in English? Oh, it's his second most famous film, really. Is.
1: Yeah, um... equally bold. it's something? Well, Rosso is red, mm-hmm. and Profundo is. Profundo I don't think it's going to be called profound the red, red profound or <laughs> profound red. I think it's something. Something. I. I um, um. Deep red. Yes, correct. Come on. <laughs> yes.
0: Right, and then third one's a mystery question because I haven't okay. figured out what, what it is yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. What should we do with this? Oh, I've got an idea. Okay. Okay. So during an interview, Werner Herzog was shot with an air rifle mid-interview. Okay. Yes. Or a BB gun while he was being interviewed by a British film critic. Can you name the critic?
1: Um, God. I hope this is. Yeah. My knowledge of of my the. I think I probably could only name you two film critics so okay um oh god oh, I, I don't know um he was i do remember reading this actually that he was he was it's very, it's a very thing to happen
0: clip. it's amazing he just someone just drives past and or something and just he's just shot with like a
1: bb gun or something is it is it is it all big ants is Who's it old is big it Ant? Oh, Mark is old big ants, yeah, it is. It's him. Come on, yeah, that's his name, old big ants. Oh, I don't think he takes that. <laughs> so, well, I did all right on that for for once. Yeah, you did. You got two, right? I got two, which the I'll Halloween
0: take... sequel was just a bit of a guess, really, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: wasn't. I guessed wrong.
0: Mm.
1: I'm gonna tie us back to um, um, Indian alternative music because I'm good like that, okay. Um, I've got four songs. I'm going to tell you, obviously, I'm sure you'll, you'll know the songs, but I'm going to tell you, obviously, the artist and the, uh, and the name of the song. And I'd like you to tell me which um, horror film they are based on, or for one of them, it's like sort of based on, but maybe just inspired right. a little bit by. First one, Psycho Killer, Talking Heads. Right, you've started with a
0: really tricky one. Mm. there's a tough
1: one i
0: think it's psyche well
1: you'd be right to say great song great film great song great film yeah i watched that the other day as well actually with my uh, with my family so another great film okay moving on uh chainsaw the ramones
0: well i haven't actually i'm not actually aware of this song okay is it Mm, it, i'm gonna guess texas chainsaw mask isn't
1: well it? you'd be right there you go <laughs> one of my favorite films yeah. two out of four there i think both quite you know obvious we'll, we'll go hopefully the next one is less tricky. obvious we've got kate bush with get out of my house oh oh wow that is and it's not it's not shrek it's not get out my uh swamp it's <laughs>
0: No, but this yeah. is interesting because I love Kate Bush. I love that album as well. Mm. Mm. That's very tricky because I I'm the kind of person that's such a fan that I've I've read this trivia before. It's in yeah. it's in the deepest reaches of my brain somewhere. Gow my house. I think it's something kind of obscure or a bit. Mm. Mm.
1: There is a clue. I think I think the, the, the title obviously the title's gonna be a clue, but I think don't overthink it and think of would will be my advice. Think of the title and then go with it.
0: Yeah, that's not really helping though because
1: I can, you know, it's not. It's not get out, is it? She didn't anticipate this. No, it's not. It's <laughs> and
0: it's not, not, get not house either. So. No, um, it's not house. That'd be funny if she she did based on the Japanese. <laughs> um. Oh, the Exorcist.
1: It is not The Exorcist. Oh. It's a good guess, though. It was The Shining. Ah.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Get out of my house. It's not a house, though, is it, Kate Bush, you idiot? Yeah. Get out it's of my a hotel. It's famously. Yeah. Sorry, Kate. Hey, you know, she's done a lot of great things, but she's, she got she's that one. She's cancelled, Kate Bush. Badly wrong. Yeah. And last but not least, we have Burn the Witch by Radiohead. Ooh. So I said, in, you know, inspired by a film. I think this one's a little bit more, you know, I don't think the whole song's about that film, but there is definitely a link between the two.
0: Um, I mean, I'm wondering if Tom York is into his hammer horror because I, I was going to say the witch finder general. Um,
1: I mean, I'm not going uh, any, to give you any clues. I mean, it could be like the
0: Wicker Man or something. Obviously they're not burning a witch. Um, other witch burning films
1: are there? I don't know. No.
0: I mean, there's a few, there's an Italian horror film. Obviously. I think yeah.
1: you, you've, you've already been on the right track. I think you need to need to just go again. What do you mean the right track? I've either got it or I haven't. I've only named two films. Yeah, but okay, I'm, not gonna, the, I'm not. It's The Witchfinder General? No, it's not. It's The Wicker Man.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not even
1: a witch; it's a dude. It's well. Sorry, just a tug. There mind. you go. The video for "Burn the Witch" is, um, oh, of course, yeah, is like the little animated. That's yeah. a
0: very good animation. I haven't seen it in a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is good and a good song as well. I, I had that on today mm. and was singing along. to oh, yeah, Tommy I remember York's. when it came out just on the run on the run up to
0: Moonshake Pool. Mm. Moonshake Paul, The album was a bit slower and more like, but "Burn the Witch" was
1: like, oh my god, this is intense. Yeah, it's, the vocals on that are really. No, and I managed to do it. I managed to do a very good Tom York today, whilst whilst, nice. whilst, it's, whilst I was playing it. So there you go. All of them, That is, that is <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Halloween for you today.
0: Mm. Mm. And next week, we are prospectively. We're doing. We want to do a list or a ranking or something like a We do. One. Yes, is that,
1: are you still commit to that, Luke? Definitely. It's going to mean five. more listening top five top ten top five Ipswich players yeah yeah that's yeah. a
0: good one is, is Bobby the... Robson an Ipswich player was he a past Ipswich, or was he a Norwich manager or something
1: um, you heard of Bobby it's Robson quite, yeah he's a very famous manager I don't oh, know what he's got to I do with Ipswich he managed Ipswich. Norwich right didn't he I'm not sure mate I mean you're the Ipswich fan mm, yeah
0: maybe it's not Ipswich
1: okay so anyway join us next week for the, the ranking of the top ten Ipswich greatest Ipswich players yes um yeah we will actually do something cool we just got to think about it, yeah think. yeah we, we need to be on all right see you next we'll week. see you next week